Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you very much for joining me. And to begin today, a big thank you to a couple of listeners who've sent in, in some notes to us, which is great. Tracy Farrant from Tawong Shire in northeastern Victoria really loved the Robert Rose uh, podcast. And Rebecca Elliott from the University of Melbourne had some great insights to share around her views on how do you make content work in the university content. So context. So to you, Rebecca and Tracy, thanks very much for the for the feedback. And if anyone else has got some feedback, if there are people who you would like to feature on the podcast, let us know. Info at content group com.au or you can let me know at david.pembroke at contentgroup.com.au. Now, what we're going to do today is a podcast with a slight difference. Um, Content Group, which is the company that I uh, lead, is in the business of helping government and public sector organisations and the businesses that work in that environment to tell their stories so as that they can achieve their business objectives. And we went on a bit of a journey a couple of years ago to develop a methodology. We worked with the Australian National University to bring together a traditional strategic communication planning process, but to intersect that with this new capability that we have to be able to create and curate and distribute content, but also wrapped it up into a sort of a project management governance benefits realisation, to really put the handles on it, to enable organisations to to ensure that when they're producing their plans, that they're robust, that they're based in evidence, that they are based on empirical fact and data. Now, we're coming towards the end of that um, process with the ANU, and we will be releasing that particular process. But what I thought I'd do today is bring to the table Jeff Fisher, who is part of the team here at Content Group. He heads up the consulting arm of the business. And so he works with this particular evidence-based methodology on a daily basis. So he knows how it works. He knows how it's implemented. So I'd encourage you to perhaps go and get a pen and paper or a you know, something to type some notes down because today's really about trying to give you a bit of an insight into how we work here at Content Group. So often uh, people will approach us and they'll say, we think we should do a video campaign on social. And it's like, well, okay, that's great, but how did you get the answer? Have you done the planning? Have you thought about your business objectives? Have you thought about your audience? Have you thought about the way they like to get their information? So there's all sorts of questions that need to be asked and answered before you get to that solution. We talk about you have to go left before you can go right. Now, ultimately, that may be the right answer, but we have to have a process. And particularly in government and the public sector where we're spending money either from a 
government agency, which is public sector money, or maybe it's uh, a national association and we're spending members' money, we have to be so careful about how we invest that money. So we have to make sure that we are really being rigorous and robust in the way that we do things. But Jeff joins me in the studio now. Jeff, welcome to GovComps. Thank you, David. It's uh, not too far away from your desk. You didn't (laughs) have to travel too far. I I didn't have to travel far at all, so thank you. And indeed, indeed, back behind the microphone, you were once a a DJ many moons ago. Yes, in another past life. (laughs) Long, long ago and many less grey hairs. Yes, but indeed, not only that, you also had a sort of distinguished career working in communications in the Australian Public Service. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I had about 11 years in the Australian Public Service and learned so much about obviously the way that government works and the way that government agencies deliver on behalf of citizens. And so I got that really in-depth knowledge from a strategic communication perspective of how government and works and, and what citizens are looking for. And that's part of why uh, my work here at Content Group is so so interesting and we can get in amongst it because the methodology that we use is really based around how governments work, how government agencies are delivering for citizens. And that's the exciting part about it. And so I suppose my role here is, as you said, is to just embed that methodology into the way we deliver and deliver outcomes for our government clients. Okay. So what we're going to do today is we won't go through the whole thing because it's chapter and verse. It is quite big. There are some outlines that people can get if they go to the website, www.contentgroup.com.au, and you will see uh, the two research projects that we have there. One is with the uh, University of Canberra, which is looking at this process as a way to help policymakers better embrace the power of strategic communications at the beginning of their deliberations around policy rather than inviting the communications teams in at the last moment or dumping things on them that they actually don't want to do or don't really shouldn't be doing. Uh, But that's that process. But this other one is the Australian National University Project, which is really about this project management heavy project management focus because, again, it is really about this rigour, this evidence base uh, independently brought together. But there are a number of processes, but we'll just go through a couple of the first stages today. The first of those in um, step one is really this project initiation. So, Jeff, what's involved in putting an initiation of a program together. What are people? What can people expect when they apply that framework? Yeah, well, I guess the initiate phase is really... It's about setting things up, setting up for success, the ultimate success of your work. Um, At the end of this phase, if you can look towards the end of phase one, you want to be able to articulate the need for communication or engagement activities and the benefits that it's going to deliver. So you have to do everything to get to that point. Um, You need to be able to answer the questions around why do you actually need to communicate? Um, what, who do you need to communicate with? What's the context and the priority? So linking back to what's the bigger picture for the organisation or the government priority, the problem that we're trying to address through communication, how does it link to those things? Because without those links, it's a bit of an orphan. Um, in the initiate phase, we need to look at what success looks like. How do we measure success ultimately for what we're doing? Because as you mentioned, we, are, we need to be very accountable for the public money that we're spending. So therefore, we need to know, has it been successful? Um, we need to take into account things like, you know, what are the considerations in the environment? What's the risks we need to consider? That's a really important one. But also, what are the opportunities? So I guess um, 
really important at this stage to be able to link the communication or engagement activities to the policy, the program or the portfolio objectives. Um, on the flip side, to get a really deep understanding of the target audience, um, we need to know them in depth because if we don't know that, then we're flying blind. Um, and as I said, set those measures of success, get agreement on how we're going to evaluate and ultimately determine if you've achieved what you set out to do. Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I think, well, it's, it's, it's not, it, it is important work. And as you set up the front about going left to go right, um, it's critical. It's really important to do the hard yards up front to get the right outcome at the end. And so that's the bit that will set you up for success, having all of these things understood, agreed and in place before you go any further. And it sounds reasonably comprehensive and enough to perhaps support a business case for the investment that's required to, in fact, deliver these particular benefits and to deal with the identified risks. Absolutely. And that business case, that content communication business case, is really what we see as an output of the initiate phase. It's, if you like, the contract. It's the, it's the agreement of why we're doing this, what does success look like, how are we going to measure that success, and what's everything we need to consider, those risks, et cetera, that I talked about. And that sets up the agreement up front. And that's a really valuable thing to do um, because how many times have we been caught up by not we think we've got the understanding, we think we've got that all laid out, and then down the track somebody's got a different perspective or a different idea. That that business case up front at the end of the initiate phase is really important to make sure we're all clear. So how do you how do you get people interested in this detailed sort of planning when comms is often seen as, you know, the colouring in department, you know, the, the, the people who <laughs> yep. just create the assets at the end. How, mm. how do we get people to take it seriously? Yeah, look, that's one of the really big challenges I think many comms functions face, and certainly I think working in government, a lot of the comms functions that we talk to on a daily basis, they tell us things like that, don't they? Um, so often people come to you jumping straight into to solution mode, don't they? They come and say, you know, I want a video for an audience. Happened to me today. Yeah. Exactly. Happened to me today. Want a social video campaign. But three questions later, there was like, ah, oh, well, uh, I haven't done that. I haven't thought about that. And that's one of the big things that people face in this business is that solution mode coming, uh, people coming in solution mode, uh, solution first. And I suppose as comms professionals, and this is part of probably the leadership aspects that I wanted to talk about today, is we have to take the lead on reframing that. Um, and there's some things that come with that. But we can't fall into that same trap of jumping straight to solution because otherwise we're diminishing the value that we can add in a strategic perspective. Um, and I suppose by jumping straight to solution, you miss so many potential bits of information yeah. that could be so useful in shaping the final solution. And as you said, three questions later, you've got a bigger, uh, a bigger perspective and a different product most likely. Um, and so often, through my experience, if you can reframe the questions up front, it reframes the ultimate solution and delivers something that is user-centred but delivers back for the business objectives. But then but go, going to that point of leadership and getting mm. the attention of the people who matter, yep. how do you do that when you're the colouring in department and you don't have any credibility and you're just a hamster on a hamster wheel, mm -hmm. you know, churning stuff out that's really not 
related to any particular business objective? How do you transition from that type of environment and that level of responsibility to someone is, okay, we need to bring this group with this methodology into the beginning of our considerations? I think there's two aspects to that, David. One is the whole of capability aspect and the other is the individual leadership aspect. So let's start with the whole of capability. Um, You and I have heard a fair bit lately from government comms areas talking about, you know, we're getting just smashed with requests for stuff. They just want us to send stuff out, you know. There's a lack of strategic direction. Um, We're just seen as the people who, as you said, are the colouring in department or or are just sending stuff out. That's that's a really common challenge that that people are facing in their job every day. And as as a communications capability... I think our role is to show the strategic value that we know we can offer. And that can take some time, and, but that's a collective responsibility. And by being able to ask the tough questions up front, and sometimes they are tough questions, you've got to sometimes stand your ground and be able to dig and dig and dig to get the, the, the actual objectives, the purpose, the why factor. Why are we actually doing this? What is that need for communication? And sometimes that takes a bit of courage as well. Mm. Um, because, you know, often you're dealing with very senior stakeholders who just have a very fixed idea of what they're after. Mm. And so I suppose uh, at an individual level, there is some courage and the need to, I suppose, stick to your guns a little bit at times in a respectful way. But if you can do it by showing that this is adding value and it's adding strategic value, then I've, my, my, my experience is that's actually well, well received. Because ultimately, I think business areas are looking for strategic value. It's just that often they come thinking they know the answer. Yeah. But it sounds to me that this is a... I hope someone could develop an evidence-based strategic <laughs> communication and stakeholder engagement framework that you could take to these to, to shape those conversations because that is, quite seriously, that is the purpose of this particular research. It is to give communications areas the tool that enables them to shape the discussions with the policy areas, the program areas, the service areas, so they can get that mutual understanding yep. and understanding of the benefits that will if um, will be derived if, in fact, it's followed. So that is why we have developed and spent all this money in research and other things with the ANU to bring this tool to the table. So it, it is a gift to communications areas yep. to, to start to do that because what it does, Absolutely. doesn't it, 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 it steps out those questions in yep. such a way that you can start to have those conversations and in my mind's eye, I think the nirvana down the, the, the track is, is the, where communications areas with the tool are incorporated into the annual planning processes of all the different line areas where the, the agreements can be held up front and it gives the comms areas half a chance of getting off the hamster wheel if indeed they have an account management model where they're looked after, but there's a mutually agreed plan around the comms to support the activity, whether it's a stakeholder engagement activity, whether it's a communication activity, um, whether it's a consultation, some other form of consultation or discovery, whatever it is, that that's what the tool can bring. And if we can get them in lockstep, I think we can do, we can make progress. And I think what it offers is, as I said, at a capability level and at an individual level, it offers at a capability level a strategic, 
repeatable, consistent, evidence-based process by which the capability can have consistent and, I suppose, effective conversations and outcomes with business areas. And so building the strategic value of the capability, but at an individual level, the framework offers the guidance to be able to have those conversations. Yeah. Okay, that's really good. I, I, I think we're I think we're onto something here. I really do think we're onto something, and I think the value is absolutely there, and we just need to get more people using it. You know, get more people adopting it, and get more people. Um, taking it on because I think part of the other thing, Jeff, is also, um, and I know we'll get into the planning side of things um, in, 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 in a moment and maybe perhaps even go, you know, diving a little bit more into the um, uh, initiation phase. But there's, there's a capability building element to this as well, isn't there, is to train people how to use it. It's so important, isn't mm. it, that this capability and this confidence that you're talking about be built in organisations. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? As you well know, we're no different here at Content Group and we do our own training in the methodology and we apply it every day. We work with it with clients every day. But we still do training sessions and and regular deep dives into what we do to help each other. And this is part of, I suppose, the capability aspect that um, that probably comes in, in teamwork. Um, you know, one of the things that I love to do is to build teams that have different personalities, different levels of experience, different past experience, et cetera, et cetera, and bring them together and have the team support each other in that capability building. Now, what the framework does and the methodology that underpins it is actually brings those people together and brings all of those perspectives, but gives them a common place from which to do their work. And that's the power of a team. When you've got a common place, you know where you're going and a shared understanding of how you do your work as a team or a capability or a function, but you have all of those experiences coming together and supporting each other to do it. But you're also not just talking about comms teams, are you? You're talking more as a... Really, when we look at the evolving nature of of communication and the need to communicate and engage with citizens and stakeholders, that in fact, that team is much broader, that it's an enterprise-wide approach. So indeed, around the framework, it looks at how do you bring in the subject matter experts? How do you bring in the behavioural scientists? How do you bring in the technologists who can help you with how to support it? Because it's a team game. Absolutely right, and that's a really important point, and that's probably goes into the to the, uh, the the second phase around planning is identifying those stakeholders, and there are so many stakeholders across the organisation who have value to add in the planning stage, as you said, some of the behavioural scientists with the the analytics they hold and the insights that if we can unlock them, will help to inform better comms. Um, you know, the people in the call centres they know a lot, they deal with clients every day. Of the of the government departments that have have so many insights that can that can build um, better comms. So unlocking all of that and the framework helps to identify them and to bring them in at the early stages, or identify when they might need to come in. So you know that maybe they don't need to come into the process until later down the track, but at least you've identified them, you've got them in your pocket. So um, there's there's definitely that aspect to the framework and how it starts to build capability. 
So, so listen, before we jump too further down into planning, because I think we maybe jumped through initiation just a little too quickly, how, how much time typically might it take to to get through that initiation? You know, that, that you know, to get to that business case, to get to that understanding, because there, there's a fair bit in that. What you outlined yeah, earlier, there's, there's quite a bit of work in that. Look. Um it's, it's kind of a how long is a piece of string question yeah, because is, we're going to be bound by timelines. Yeah, true. And, <laughs> but, and budgets as and, well. Absolutely right. But um, I suppose if you think about it in percentage terms, I'm reminded of an old quote by um, I think it was US President Abraham Lincoln who said, if you give me six hours to chop down a tree, I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. And it's kind of like that in many respects, David. You know, the, the, the initiation phase and that planning process is so vital because everything else falls out of it. If you're jumping past them too quickly, you're missing vital information, you're not doing the, the right strategic linkage, etc., etc. And you might get to the end result quicker, but is it the right end result? Mm. Is it the actual effective end result that the audience need or the business needed? So in terms of how long, well, it, it, you know, it might be a rapid process that lasts a week or it might be a, a month-long process depending upon the, the circumstances. But in terms of percentage, it's a good chunk of your time because that's where you need to spend the effort. Mm. Okay, so once we've understood all of those key inputs um, that help us, you know, the, the risks and the audience and the why and the what, the objectives, the smart objectives, the goals, all of the different bits and pieces that, that help us to get to that initiation point where we, we have a pretty clear idea of what it is that we are trying to achieve. We do, we have to start planning. Yep. Um, so, Take us through that. How, do that. how does that journey begin? Yeah, look, one of the key things in the planning phase is really identifying all your stakeholders. Um, who are they? What are their needs? What influence do they have on the organisation, the potential outcomes you're looking for here, the comms itself? Um, what are their interests in this? Um, what are their attitudes towards communication towards the problem, et cetera, et cetera. So uncovering all of that, um, we use a, a stakeholder mapping matrix, which helps helps to plot those out. And you can readily then identify who are the key people in this, in this process or key groups. Um, and who do you need to be paying particular attention to, who are of lower uh, priority, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a real sorting process. I think thinking about governance and this might sound like a non-coms thing to do, but uh, really, really critical. Um, whose voice needs to be heard during this process? Who's got the final say? Because um, quite often, um, you know, I've found that people jump into things without actually understanding who might have the final influence on this. Um, what's the process of getting agreement and keeping everybody on board throughout the entire journey? Mm. So... Unless you understand those things up front, there is so much potential for things to go straight off the rails at a point where probably critical delivery time and somebody pops into the process and says, hang on, I wasn't asked about this or I've got a thought, something different to what you're thinking or I need to approve that. You know, all of those things you don't want happening at delivery time. Mm. You want to have them sorted way back up front, have all the stakeholders on board, have your governance sorted out. Um, I think one of the other things to think about in this planning phase is your own team. And there's two aspects to the team. One is the might be your immediate comms team, but two is going back to what we were talking about earlier, that broader team that are in the department who can have 
influence or inputs that really assist the outcome. So, you know, do you need to get the data science and analysts involved up front it's part of the conversation to uncover some of the insights. Um, do you need to go off and talk to your behavioural insights team if you have one um, or to do some research around that? People in the call centres, as I said. From your own team's perspective, is it a good idea to bring in your designers who are often so often left to the end of the process when yeah, it's just like, yeah, such a good point. We, we're just going to throw this at the graphic designers yeah. or, and, and say, hey, we need this by tomorrow. If you could, it'd be nice. Um, what input can they offer at the pro- front of the process? Um, because that could help shape how things look in the final outcome. Um, and even if they're not intimately involved, at least getting them into the conversation up front, getting them considering it, knowing what's coming at them, will be a really huge benefit down the track. So I think thinking about who you need to have involved. We've all you know, heard that thing with comms about right message, right, right channel, right time. But this is really about the right people at the right time. Who do you need to inject into your comms um, plan at the right time? And some people will travel the entire journey. Others will be injections at the right time. Let me tell you a story. A few weeks ago, we were working with a major client here and we were at the very pointy end of delivering a major piece of work for them. And we had... It all there, but we just couldn't quite get it. There was a small team of us working on something. We just couldn't quite get it out. <laughs> and there were whiteboard drawings going left, right and centre, and we just couldn't quite nail it. And I thought, this is my time. I've got to step back from this. And I walked outside of the room and I grabbed one of the team and I grabbed her and said, can you just come in for a moment? And literally gave, here's our problem in 60 seconds. And 10 minutes later, she had just offered a different perspective that had allowed us to just go, wow, if we did something like this, 10 minutes later, we were sailing, we'd we'd nailed it. And it was just simply like that. So just think about who can be injected into your your process along the way. Is it a a creative process, um, a a creative person in the process at at the real product development stage? Or is it as I said, you know, the analysts up the front who are who are giving you the insights, and and lining them up, getting them into the into the tent before you start. Yeah, yeah, really important. So and so, just go, just just dialing back a bit to that stakeholders question and understanding that in the initiation phase, there's a focus on audience. Yep. Um, but then we go to stakeholders. So how do you differentiate between? the audience and and stakeholders? Is it such that audience is really that focal group that you're looking at and that the stakeholders are are the influencers? Or or how how do you define that difference? Yeah, they quite often get mixed up, don't they? And they quite often do intermingle. Um, And so I suppose at a very basic level, and, you know, I'm sure there's lots of people who have their own definitions of stakeholder versus audience, um, and it's I've, I've been part of numerous debates over the years of the difference between the two, but I suppose for mine, the, the audience is really, they're the people you're trying to reach, influence, engage, change their behaviour, do something with. The stakeholders are the people that have got an interest in that happening or are perhaps the people that might help you to reach the audience to achieve the outcome right that's 
at its simplest, that's how I would define them. But as I said, I'm sure there's lots of people with very specific definitions. But I think if we think about it in those terms, it helps us to think about how this process needs to unfold. Um, now, just just un unpack some of that other stuff. Interesting around governance. It's sort mm. of, again, this is part of the reason why the um, evidence-based methodology has been developed by... Um, independently by the ANU so as that it's got that best practice. How difficult do you think it is to introduce some of these concepts into communication and policy teams who mightn't recognise that there's value in in having governance around a particular a, you know, strategic communication and stakeholder engagement function? Yeah, look, there's a bit of a dichotomy, I think, in a lot of government departments because governance is such a strong thing through so many departments. You know, the governance function and governance processes are well embedded in so much of the work that government and government agencies does. Mm. But often when it comes to comms, that kind of goes out the window because people just want to jump straight to, oh, I need that video or I need a, a yeah. social post or whatever. Um, and the, 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 the need for that governance underpinning what we do seems to go out the window. I don't think there's a lack of willingness to do it. It's probably something that's more often not just considered as, com as part of a comms function. Yeah, right. Um, I think it's, it's very much, you know, the, the governance department sits over there, you know. <laughs> yeah. We're the comms function. And so perhaps within the comms functions there might need to be a bit of a change of, of thinking about how the, the role that governance of comms plays. Mm. But also, conversely, in other areas, other you know, might be the business partners that we're working with, understanding that actually these governance processes are just as you do for your risk-based programs, the governance around comms is really important as well. So this goes to that point of credibility, doesn't it? it of does. being able to use this methodology as a way of having credibility and demonstrating credibility and demonstrating rigour that, in fact... Governance is just as important to strategic communication and stakeholder engagement as it is, as you said, to finance or um, program delivery or where, wherever else you may find governance. Yeah, and, and governance really, you know, I think a lot of people have that uh, boring, you know, <laughs> governance is seen as something that other people do who, you know, aren't particularly good at parties. Um, but, but governance is really just about good, solid practice. Yeah. And it shouldn't be seen as something as boring. It should be seen as something that's integral to the practice of the way we work. Mm. But how do, you, how do you keep it relevant? How do you stop it just becoming on, you know, the identification of the governance as in, you know, whose tasks, whose responsibilities, who's the owner of the project? How, how, how do you use that to make better communication yeah. engagement? How, how, how does it become more than just a you know, a, a statement of, of intent? I think you've, the challenge is to take it away from being seen as a ticker box process. So if it's seen like that, then you're in trouble. You've got to take it from that to being seen to be a value add. And so if the conversation is around, uh, we need to know who's going to sign this off and we need to know what your diary looks like to do that, et cetera, et cetera, um, they're probably questions that need to be asked, but if it's seen as that, if it's perceived as this is just process for process sake, then I don't think it's going to get a great reception. If it's seen as and explained in a way that shows the value add to the whole process and the final outcome, then I think that it's a better solution and people will see the value. There was a, 
um, a conversation I heard a couple of years ago um, around the fact that um, one of the some research that had been done into um, the future needs for comms areas, and one of them was around being able to talk the language of business, not just the language of comms. Right. And I think that's vital. And this is really what this is about. You know, business areas within government are very used to dealing with governance issues. Yeah. It's part of their lingo. It's part of their their way of working. It's just about tapping into the, the, the language of business and tapping into how they operate and showing that this is actually just part of our process as well. Yeah. Um, the stakeholders one is another um, interesting um, challenge often in communications because uh, in government, lots of people. Mm. There's a lot of people to manage. In all sorts of different areas, there's, it's, there's never a small number. It's always large. And yes, the evaluation matrix enables you to plot them in different places. But how do you make those those decisions? How do you make that sort of assessment as to whether someone is important or not? Uh, and how do you get away from the fact that they're all important yes. and everybody has to be communicated with? And because everyone thinks they have the most important bit in the process. Um, yeah, as I said before, we, we use a, um, a stakeholder mapping exercise and I think that's a really, really valuable thing to do. Um, it's a quadrant-based model. It works on uh, levels of influence and interest. And if people come up in the high quadrant, then they are people that we need to service with. Um, there are high needs in the stakeholder and we need to service them. We need to keep them uh, very involved in the project, not only informed, but they're a decision maker as well. If, as you said, you know, every person and their dog wants a, a bit of the action, mm. we've got to identify the ones that really matter and the ones that matter but less so. Yep. Still make them, they're still a part of it and they're still the important part of it, but it's about knowing what you've got to do with them. It might just be that you need to keep them informed. Um, and as long as they're informed, they're going to be happy because they then won't become a blocker down the road. Mm. But if they aren't informed, they have the potential to go rogue and hang on, I haven't been informed, I'm going to stop something here. Yeah. And that that's what we're trying to avoid. But as long as you're informing them and keeping them on the journey, then things will be okay. And I suppose it's about going through that mapping exercise to understand what is the need, interest, stake of each stakeholder yeah. um, to, to be able to accurately understand what their role is. It's an interesting word that you use there around um, the journey. Yep. Um, because this, again, is, you know, it's, it's the application of you know, uh, customer journeys in, in marketing is very similar to a citizen journey, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and yeah. being able to map those. So is that, again, part of the process, part of the planning process? You betcha. And and looking at, because as we talked about in phase one, that initiate phase, having a deep understanding of the, the customer, the audience that you're trying to reach, um, doing the journey mapping is a fantastic method to achieve that. Now, um, you know, it's not potentially going to be possible on every single project you work on, but it's a great starting point if you can. And there are some departments that are doing this exceptionally well and really developing very strong journey maps and, and user pathways and, you know, full personas, etc. Even if you can only spend a short amount of time there and you don't have a whole department who's, who's dealing in that um, or a whole section of your department, as some do, um, it's worth spending some time there to try and walk the shoes of the audience. Yeah. And that's what it's really about, understanding their journey through your products, your service, the communication that you're going to deliver to them, what's their, going to be their, their journey and their, and their interactions with it, and just taking a different look at it. Um, 
working with a, a department at the moment where, you know, in the initiate meeting, in the very first meeting we were in, where we were talking about a particular form of communication that we were, we're working on with them, we actually stepped right back and said, does this have to look like this? Can it be something different? What's the experience when people get this? What do they think? What do they feel? And they actually have done that research and they've got some really good information and got feedback through clients, etc. And that's really helping us to reshape and reframe what that final product looks like. Yeah, right. Okay. So that initiation phase, the planning phase... So- so we haven't quite yet arrived. We haven't started to make some uh, choices yet. We haven't made some decisions. So, so, so we've got our initiation, which gets us through to the business case. We've then done the stakeholder engagement. We've got our governance in place. You know, I'm itching to yep. get going. I'm, I'm, come on. Do you want to make a video? <laughs> I still want to put that, social, that video out on yeah, social. Exactly. And you're stopping me and I'm sort of getting, okay, so, so now how, how do we put a plan together? All right. This is the point at which we bring it all together into that content communication plan. Right. Um, Good. So what does that look like? Well, you know, we're all going to be pretty familiar with it, but it brings together everything that we've talked about and it designs the key messages. What are the channels? How are we going to reach the audience? Um, what are the timelines here? What's the resources that are going to be involved in making it all happen? It's, it's everything we've talked about with that. And so really the content communication plan just needs to bring all those things together, summarise it, lay it all out and plan it from go to woe. And then we've got a great document that articulates what we're going to do. It's our promise and shows how we're going to deliver it and then we need to get it signed off. Right. Really need to get the agreement. And that's, but again, go to a, a business area partner with that. You're, you're, you're in a good position to be able to say, here's the entire plan. Yeah. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. This is what we're going to deliver. Here's yep. how we're going to measure it. That's right. These are the impacts and benefits that yep. we're going to deliver. Here's how we've identified with the risks and managed the risks. Here's how we're going to manage the project through the governance. Here's the stakeholder that, and here's the, all of the information that we've used to be able to assemble insights into our audience, into our stakeholders, which has then led to the fact here is our best guess, which is basically ultimately all it is in the end. This yes. is our, based on our experience. It's our best guess that is going to help us to achieve those objectives That's where it. we've gone, where we've dialed back into the business objectives of the line area. So we've really given them something quite solid. Absolutely. And part of the uh, art here is not to give them then the 100 pages of information that you've gathered on the, on the journey so far, but to be able to then synthesise that down to a short, sharp, snappy content communication plan. And that's part of the art of our own communication, isn't it? To be able to communicate the plan in a way that shows all of the things we've done to bring it together, but articulates our plan in a really short, succinct way. So it's interesting you say that because I've, I've found increasingly that you and the, uh, and the consulting team here are, are really starting to get even shorter and narrower and, and tighter and more graphic you know, the representations yep. of now seem to be much more graphic than they were when I used to do it. Look, um, people think in pictures, don't they? Yeah. I, I'm very visual. A lot of people are very visual. And I think there's some great work being done through so many government departments in this in this space at the moment. Around visualisation. Yep, I've seen some fantastic work being done. And I think it's a really exciting development to be able to tell your story in a short, sharp way, visualising the journey and visualising what you're trying to tell. Um in a way that allows a, you know, often really busy senior executive to pick it up and go, yep, I get that, I understand it, 
and I'm on board without having to read the 30-page strategy document. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm not saying the 30-page strategy document's not important. That's the background work. Yeah. But the telling of the story, the plan, is is often best told in a short, sharp way. And visualisation of information is a great way to do it. It can be challenging. It's one of those skills. Like you know, I must admit, I I love a good whiteboard session, and I know you do too. Yeah. But I, I don't propose to have any great skill in being able to tell stories through through pictures. And it's about again tapping into your people in your team. There are some people who've got a really good gift for it, and being able to bring them in and help to tell that story. Yeah. So that all sounds great, and I've got a lot of people sitting out there going, "Yeah, well, this is all fine," but. I'm always flat out. I'm too busy. Yep. I can't get you know, this is this is cloud cuckoo land. This is utopia. How how do, how do you get people from from that? And you've been there. Yeah, yeah, you've absolutely. Been, you have been in those places. Yep. You've been in those dumping. You know, here comes another lot of requests that you know. Yep. God, how do we how do I get out of the way of this next lot? So so how how, how do you get to there? You know, how, how do you get away from that and over to the other to, to clear the space to be able to do this yep. thoughtful planning? Look, there is no quick fix silver bullet, or very rarely. This is something that takes consolidated effort, consistent effort over time to prove strategic value. I often, when I was getting requests like that, just flooding at me, part of... Um, Would you run? <laughs> Sometimes I did. Here comes so oh, Gee, I need a coffee. <laughs> I'll be back in four days. Um, so um, um, often, you know, I, I would look for quick wins. I would look to prove value through quick wins. And sometimes delivering quick wins is actually delivering what they need to. And you have to go through that judgment process sometimes, in, and I think people in commerce functions okay, do so this that's, all that's, the time. Okay, but but what you're saying though is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're saying is okay. So the request might come, but you shape it into a, a component piece of the of the planning process, yeah, yeah, and yeah. be able to go back and okay, well, let's do that, but then wrap it up and so get the information. Deliver the, the the benefit, but then perhaps having started to demonstrate that's to someone exactly that it's right. part of the process. Yes. So right. if if you're just seeing something as a singular, isolated thing, which is often where the way the requests come, yeah, then it will just remain as a singular, isolated thing, and probably sit on a website or on a social channel just as that, and have no integration with the customer or, or um, any great business outcome. Right. Sometimes you need to deliver the singular isolated thing, but you, your job is to then take it back to how does this link to the broader context? How does this link to the journey that the customer is travelling? And how do we bring it together into something bigger? Fantastic. And I think that's part of the longer journey and part of that what I talked about before around that leadership around capability. And, you know, I've worked with some exceptionally good people in, in uh, government roles who are, who are on that journey and very successfully doing this and, and looking to, to really prove the strategic value of the comms function. And that takes time. There is no one silver bullet, but it's about the individuals taking that view and looking at it in that way and building towards that bigger capability. Okay, before we wrap it up, what, one piece of advice. What's the, what's, what's the one thing? that people should start doing tomorrow to, to, to start them on this journey of being able to be better, yep. more strategic, more accountable about the way that they tell the story 
now that they're in the media business, because that's the fact of it, technology now has democratised the factors of media production and distribution. Whether you like it or not, people out there, you are in the media business. So what can they do? Get above digging on a daily basis and look where you have to dig. So, um, again, it's probably going back to Abraham Lincoln's taking four hours to sharpen the axe if he's got six hours to chop down the tree. If you can, and it's really hard when there's an avalanche of work just flooding through your door, but sometimes just being able to take that step back and, again, take that, all right, we might have to deliver this, but how can we build the strategic links? How can we, how can we build the strategic value for this little bit of work that builds another bit, that builds another bit with something else and starts to prove the value of the communications function? That is the thing that I think if we could all do that just a little bit, it starts to build towards a bigger thing. It's hard when you're being flooded, but I think that's the step back. And it's like, as I said, taking a step back from digging on a daily basis to just make sure we're digging in the right place. Okay, so that's step one. That's step two. Initiate and plan. What we're not going to do today is going to the next two phases, which is to implement, then measure and evaluate. We'll do that at another time. I'm sure we'll find... Um, and that's, that's when we get into the really interesting stuff. <laughs> it's the making, it's the doing, it's the, it's doing. the delivering. It's yeah. the curation, exactly. Yeah. So much fun to be had in the game of content communication in government and the public sector. Look, that was fantastic. Jeff Fisher taught me a lot more than I, I thought I knew mostly about it, but so articulate, really was able to explain what this content communication framework is all about, the content communication version of our strategic communication and stakeholder engagement framework. So thanks, Jeff. Really appreciated that. Thanks. uh, uh, I know the audience would have appreciated that as well because really what we try to do on the podcast is to educate people so that they can learn from experts and they can learn and take things away and put them into their daily um, uh, work lives. And I know because I told them before the podcast started that they should go and get a pen and paper. Um, No, (laughs) that they would have written down lots of things there and being able to put that into practice. So thanks very much, everyone, uh, for coming along again today. Really enjoyed it. Great conversation. Very smart guy. Pleased that he works here and doing great work uh, telling the stories of government so as that we can strengthen communities and improve the well-being of citizens because, really, at the end of the day, that's why we all get out of bed in the morning. So thank you very much for coming by once again. I'll be back at the same time next week, but for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.